Well, good morning and welcome. Whether you're in um, the building or whether you're watching at home, uh, we're really delighted that you're able to join us uh, for worship. My name's Steve. I'm one of the ministers at the church. You'll meet Andrew later on. Uh, hopefully we're familiar. It's just great to see your faces as well. I know I said this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, for those of you watching online, I'm staring out at 50 faces in the church and it's just wonderful to see you all. Some words then from Psalm 96 as we begin. Give to the Lord the glory he deserves. Bring your offering and come to worship him. Worship the Lord in all his holy splendor. Let all the earth tremble before him, for our God is great and worthy of our praise. Name is indeed the name above all names. You are, of course, worthy of our praise. And we will never stop singing of your greatness in words and deeds. But Lord, we are conscious too that expressing that adoration is so much easier for those of us for whom life is simple. And we're conscious in these troubling days that perhaps for many of us know your greatness, but many others are overwhelmed by the challenges of life and the sadness of death. And so we pray for those who are grieving today those coming to terms with personal tragedy. We lift before you the Queen, the royal family and all those affected by the passing of Prince Philip. And we lift before you others too, John, Charlotte and Roger in particular, but all those who have lost loved ones in recent days. Would you assure them of your presence in their grief and cradle them in your everlasting arms. Lord, would you hold on to all of those who are walking through a valley today? Reach out to them even through us and help us to know how to be your church for those who suffer. May an expression of our worship to you be embodied in the way we love and care for one another. We all pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Do please take a seat and Joy is going to bring us our reading. Again, Joy, it's so good to see you. Come and bring our reading. Thank you. Good to see you all. I'm going to read from the um, book of 1 Peter, chapter 1, verse 1 to 7. This letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the province of Pantos and Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Two, God the Father knew you and chose you along, and his spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. Um, three, all praises to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his grace, great mercy, that we have been born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, now we live with great expectation, and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, 
pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. Five, and through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the day, on the last day, for all to see. Six, so be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you may endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purified purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than more mere gold. So when your faith remains strong, even though many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Thank you. Thank you, Joy. Morning, everyone. It's good to see you. If you're a car owner, let me jog your memory and ask you a question. When was the last time you had your car serviced? Something we could easily miss in lockdown. Now, we do that, don't we, to make sure that there's nothing wrong with our cars, that we fit in with the legal requirements that we have. But it reminds us also of how a car should work, what it would feel like when we drive it or we're a passenger in that car, to make sure everything is as it should be. And in the same way, sometimes we need to be reminded of who we are and how we should function. And that may especially be pertinent at the moment as we're navigating our way out of lockdown. What is the story that we now find ourselves in? Do we need some maintenance done as our car might need so that we can be the people God has called us to be? Now, some have said that 2020 and 2021, we felt like aliens almost, like we're living in a parallel universe for a while until this pandemic diminishes. We've been told to make sure that we stay at home, that we protect the NHS and that we save lives. And those are the messages that we've been heard. And that's why we're living almost in a parallel universe compared to the one that we're living in normally. Now, those of you that are older or younger might recognise these two book covers. They're two stories that many of us would have grown up with. And I'm told, because Steve has young children, they still are taught those stories today, which is great. So the first is about the tortoise and the hare. The tortoise believed in the rewards of being dedicated and ended up finishing the race before the arrogant hare. Chicken Licking believed that the sky was falling down and that's how they lived their lives and that's what they were focused on and forgot that was a fox round the corner and Chicken Licking, if you know the story, ended up as a, chick as a fox's dinner. These were the worldviews in which these two nursery rhymes are written. But what is the story we now find ourselves in? What is it like now? Nothing will shape our life more than the story we believe ourselves to inhabit. Our view of life will be shaped by what we think is good or bad. 
how we spend our time, how we spend our money, how we view ourselves and others, because all those things influence the story that we live in. Now this morning, Joy has read to us from the beginning of a letter written by Peter, writing to uh, followers of Jesus who lived in all sorts of different places that we now call modern-day Turkey. And he locates them within this new story that they're living in, a very different one to the one they've been living in and that society was around them. Their society was living under the subjection of first century Roman Empire. But these specific people that he writes to were followers of Jesus who lived to the beat of a different drum. They were living in a new reality that was different a new story to them, yet one that had been unfolding for a long time. Now, Peter says some staggering things to these people. He says, you are now a part of God's story. You're chosen by God. And this is the story that you now live in. This is the story you now find yourselves in. But where were they? Well, the answer is they were where they were. Were they to move somewhere, to live together, separate from the rest of society? No. Were they to dedicate themselves to live on a hillside or in a monastery or in a commune together? No. They were scattered. Maybe feeling like foreigners in their own land. But they were also living signposts with newly transformed lives, with a new purpose, living a new story with a new world view. Now the places that they'd always lived in, always worked, always played, always shopped, always eaten, places where most people were still active, still living by the story of the Roman Empire, but here they were in that culture, but living differently. And that wouldn't have been easy because not everyone around them was happy about the fact that they had changed their lives. Now, some of us may find ourselves on our front lines where people are very accepting of the fact that we are people of the Christian faith. They might be supportive. For others, maybe there is scepticism. My guess is for most people there is apathy. For some, there may be active opposition. But perhaps you face and I face a tough time with some of the ethical stances that we take because of our faith. For as long as we trust in Jesus, even though we don't see him, we know we have something more valuable than even the most precious of metals. Now, researchers from the University of Bath are using mathematics to understand the complexities of the world around us. Mathematics can be used not only to understand our world, but also how we interact with it and with each other. And it's a study that has led them to look at how crowds of people interact with one another, learning perhaps new ways of how we might have to live as we come out of this pandemic. It's a complex Subject, but it's important if we're going to live slightly differently in the world that is opening up to us. Lockdown has increased activity 
for some of us, especially if, like Joy and others, you work in the NHS or in education, if you work in the charity and faith sectors like Steve and I do. It has brought all sorts of complexities. Yet for other people, there's been time to reflect, perhaps to rediscover the joys of living a little more simply, living in a world that has become so complex and stressful and rushed. There's been a time to breathe and stop and consider. And a realisation that we react to the demands of a busy life and not to our needs and not to our faith and not to our imagination. The story that Peter writes here, he alerts these new folk and to us as well of the challenges of living differently. He encourages them to hold on to the new story and identity that they have in Jesus. And he describes practical outworkings of how our faith looks like on a day-to-day basis. And there is here in this passage as well a statement of faith on whom it is founded and it is founded clearly on Jesus Christ, Saviour, Messiah, Lord. But Peter also speaks with credibility born out of experience but also authenticity because he had been one of those who had worked and ministered and lived with Jesus. But he also spoke with authority because he was recognised as a leader in the early church. And he's reminding people, he's saying, don't forget who you are. Maybe we need to hear that this morning. Don't forget the inherited heritage that they had and that we have. And there's an expectation here that in their lives and in ours too, we are to mirror Jesus in all that we do. Now, some of you won't know, but uh, when I was younger, I was uh, thinking of training to be a professional photographer. I wanted to go into photojournalism. Uh, That didn't happen for various reasons. But if you're an artist or a photographer, you'll have some understanding of perspective. It's important in a photograph or in a picture or a drawing. Now, sometimes photographers and artists challenge the norms or even ignore them. But even to do that, you need to have an understanding of perspective. In conflict resolutions, some understanding of the other side's perspective is important if resolution or agreements to be found. Yet sometimes our own human perspective is a distorted perspective. The call here is for those people of the Christian faith to see things from God's perspective, from a divine perspective point of view. Peter reminds people of what God has done and the fact that he is in their lives. And this is outlined by reference to Father, Son and Holy Spirit in this passage, but also to the initiative of God, but also our human choice in a response to God's initiative. Buildings, people, objects, animals, all have a specific purpose one for which they're designed, and in some cases they've evolved and even been repurposed. In other words, they're set apart for a particular purpose. 
followers of Jesus are set aside by the presence of God in their lives. And that's what Peter is reminding them and us of. Set aside for a different purpose. To walk to the beat of a different drum. The call here is for human commitment and will focused on God and his centred worldview. So whatever our situation, whatever our status, we're called to be like God. Not a killjoy, that's definitely not what Peter is saying here. But to be like a God who is generous, Generous in life and love and faithfulness, of kindness, of creativity, of a good God in all things. And that's what we're called to reflect in all that we do, whether we're having our hair cut, whether we're cutting the grass, or in business, whether we're cutting deals, whether we're sweeping the street or tweeting on our phones. Our whole life we're called to be like God. And that's what Peter is reminding these people of who and how they should live. This is the story that followers of Jesus of all generations find themselves in. If you've ever built a new shed, or you may have even built your own home, you will know that a good foundation, a solid base, is really important. To live this story of God, a solid base is required. And that's what Peter's reminding us on these verses here. There's so much here. Steve and I could preach almost for a year just on these few verses. But in 15, 20 minutes, we've had to go through this. But the reminder is here that that solid base of faith is important. We also need to live it out. And live out that solid base of faith with grace and with peace. Peace in the middle of the political and cultural changes that we're seeing and that these people were seeing as well. And grace. Grace to live in the story we find ourselves now in. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for what Jesus has done. He's offered us and shown us a new and a better way of living. One that he's opened up for us. We also thank you that through your message you have the most precious thing. And you've given that to us. Whatever the challenges we face today. May we hold on to the God who knows us. Who brings us a sense of joy grace, peace and love. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you very much, Andrew. We've had a little bit of engagement online. It's our custom these days to just have a bit of a chat after we've, um, after we've heard the word. So the question we put up again was, um, what are some of the ways that we uh, used to, what are some of the ways we use to try to define ourselves or find our identity? Um, crazy cello lady says our clothing, the team kit that we might wear, uh, the uniform showing that we're part of a team that we belong to something. It sort of reminds me of the Ephesians armour of God thing, one yep. of the clothes that yep. we put on to, to demonstrate who, to whom we belong and to what group we belong. Really helpful. Um, 
Alan, joining groups and by wearing or not certain clothing, your hairstyle, how we speak and the words we use, similar ideas. Andy says, uh, identity is our, our achievements, our mistakes, our memories, funny stories shared about each other. And then he qualifies that by saying, he's not saying that all these things are necessarily helpful, but there you go. <laughs> Um, Sunny says, being a child of our loving God, uh, echoing the words of the worship song that we had uh, a little earlier. I am, it may come as a surprise to some of you that I don't always know what Andrew's going to say and Andrew doesn't always know what I'm going to say when we preach. We know the passage, obviously, and sometimes the title. And I read the passage in advance of today and read the title in advance of today and was really curious about what you were going to talk about because... I have a book on my shelves called The Story We Find Ourselves In. And I thought, oh, I wonder if he's alluding to that. I wonder if he's well, read the book. The title uh, okay, oh, there you go. But, but it's a novel, so yeah, I thought it it's is. probably not necessarily um, going to be where it's heading. But there are just a couple of thoughts that came to me as you were speaking. I have um, a couple of things that I've watched on telly in the last week just came to my mind. One of them is, um, uh, I think it's called The Mauritanian. It's a story about... Uh, uh, a, a man who's been kept in Guantanamo Bay and the sort of uh, to in and froing in the legal processes to see whether he needed to be there or whether he needed to go. And, and it's obviously quite a traumatic film. It's not one that I'd necessarily recommend to, to everybody, depending on your sensibilities, because Guantanamo is notorious for some of its tactics and, and its um, torture of, of inmates. And one of them, which seems quite trivial compared to some of the others, but he just threw away the comment in it that they give the, the inmates stories but they tear out the final chapter. So they don't, you know, they, they, spend the, they invest their time reading this thing and never get the satisfaction of knowing how it ends. And as you were reading this passage, I was really struck by Peter's indication of where this story that we find ourselves is ultimately going to conclude, and that is the salvation of our souls and the joy of that. And how Now I thought you were going to say, tune in next week to find out the next episode. <laughs> Well, no, it was there. He's up front and centre about it. We find out how the story ends from day one. And, it, and what a joy that is to know that that is part of our story, that through these hardships and these times of trial and, and everything that they were going through in, in the, you know, what is now modern-day Turkey and Asia Minor, just to have that sense of identity of, yeah, it's a struggle, yeah, it's hard, but it ends well, I found quite a freeing thing and a positive thing. The other... Um, let me think, what was the other thing that I was... Oh, maybe it's gone out of my mind now. I can remember what it was that I was watching. I can't remember the point of the... Oh, I was trying to say it. You obviously watched it. If it comes to me... Yeah, well, not... One of our congregation here told me today he completed Netflix, which really is quite an achievement. So <laughs> that's the story he finds himself. I, I fail to believe that's true, knowing how hard he works. But One of the things that's clear, I think, from, from this passage and this book is how alike their situation is to ours yeah. as we're coming out and living in a complex, really complex situation. We know we are. But as you look at more and more at this passage, just in this section alone, we see this was a complex situation for most people. Yeah. And so therefore, I think the timing was, was, was good that we look at this and say, as we're coming into a new normal whatever that's going to be we know it's not going to be like it was we know it's going to be different how does that affect those of us of faith and in this in this passage here he's right up front about saying these are the important things this is the base this is what we've got to build on 
And sometimes we need to be reminded of that, yeah. but also recognise we need to relate that to a new story, not yeah. the one we were in before, or even the one we were in no. last week. No. It's going to be new. Yeah, no, absolutely. Anyway, it's um, gone out of my out my mind. If it comes to me later on as the reason why it come to me, it was a, it was a documentary about um, Back to the Future, the film Back to the Future, and I, I know what it was. So, I, oh, I'm so glad I got there. Phew. Um, so they were talking about the script of the film Back to the Future and how um, and how quite unique it was because it's often used in teaching to talk about, you know, what a perfect script is. And I don't know what you think of that film. I think it's a brilliant film, but it's not necessarily the script that I thought. And they said, but it breaks some rules because most of the time when you go to movie, uh, you know, college or whatever, they talk about the importance of um, a character's development arc. And actually, in Back to the Future, the, the main character, Marty McFly, does not go on much of an arc of a journey. But it, nevertheless, it's an interesting thing. And again, I was just really struck in this story to think, okay, each one of us is living an individual story. And we have some stuff in common, particularly because of our faith. But as you go home from here, or as, at home, you go about your day-to-day -day lives, your, your stories will diver yeah. diverge from everybody else's. And we live quite a unique story. But the joy of being part of this story is just seeing how our, our, the development of our character evolves. All the best stories have great characters, and each one of you is a great character in your own story. And God is capable of, of, of interacting with each chapter of our lives in such a way that we grow and we develop and we move. And I think these trials and these troubles that we're facing now, and certainly the trials and the troubles that others face, can sometimes make us very self-reflective of where we are and how, what the state of our faith is. But just an, an acknowledgement and, and a recognition that at the beginning of a story, the character is very rarely the same as, the, as they are at the end. And we will all find ourselves in a different place in our story. But to know that God is is developing us and moving us on ultimately to, to the salvation of our souls. Be so careful exciting. you don't say too much more. You'll have nothing to say Oh, I know. I'm, well, I haven't even looked yet, so we'll come to that next time. I'll, I'll probably use all the same illustrations. We'll wait and see. Tune in to find out. <laughs> Thank you ever so much, Andrew, sure. for your contribution and to those online as well. That's really helpful. Pray for us all as we go. Father God, we thank you that uh, you are our cornerstone. You're our base. You're our foundation for our lives. May each one of us know your blessing, whether we're going this week to school or work or whether we're at home or whatever we're doing. May we know something of your as our cornerstone going with us. And the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son and Holy Spirit be with each one of us now and forevermore. Amen.